My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a person who enjoyed living in New York City. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be reading each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. As always, that is burn noticed with a D like the name of our podcast, which is Burn Noticed. Do you do you foresee a scenario in the future where for one episode only we allow criticism? I mean What circumstances would have to fall into place for us to allow criticism? What for one episode? You would have to fall on your head. I am perfectly fine with criticism. If people have criticism, I will take it in. If it's good criticism, I will accept it and change. If it's bad criticism or bad faith criticism, then I will not. But I'm okay with criticism. I don't believe that you can take any criticism. (laughs) How dare you? I'm great at taking criticism. You are. This is our Thanksgiving episode, basically? This is our Thanksgiving episode. Oh my goodness. This week, um, I am thankful for a female burn notice writer. The first exactly. solo female burn notice writer, because Lisa Joy has written another episode, but it was a co-writing episode. I was about to say, well, since you mentioned it, let's get into it. Yeah. This episode, season four, episode eight, Where There's Smoke, aired on July 29th, 2010, is written by Lisa Joy and directed by Kevin Bray. This is Kevin Bray's last burn notice. That's fine. It's got one good shot that I like a lot. This was a really good episode. Actually, this, this is the really first episode. episode. This is the first episode where I, because usually when it's your episode, unless like I can tell immediately whose episode it is, like if it's a Michael Horowitz or a Barrios Jr. episode, like normally I just like watch your episode and I don't really think about who put it together unless like a big deal has been made. Halfway through this episode, I paused it to go look up who the writer was because I was like, I'm really enjoying this episode and I'm feeling weird about it. Who wrote this? And it was Lisa Joy. And I was like, hell yeah, Lisa Joy. Good for you. Yeah, she has done some stuff since then. I don't remember if on the last episode, which I think I hosted too, I know I talked about the fact I think that she writes for Westworld, co-creator of Westworld. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about that either. She's also one of the showrunners of the new Fallout TV show that's going to come out on Amazon. Oh, I think and I I've been trying hearing about that. I've been trying to figure out a way to get in contact with her because, like, there are so many connections. First of all, love the video game Fallout. Second of all, am an avid writer of sort of darkly comedic post-apocalyptic zombie stories. Third of all, I have talked about Lisa Joy extensively on my podcast about Burn Notice. There, everything is in place. Lisa Joy, exactly. please let me write for the Fallout TV show. I would be perfect for this show. I'm telling you. Michael Horowitz, if you're listening, you owe me nothing. But please, if you know Lisa Joy's email address, please give it to me. I want to write for Fallout so badly. If it helps, Lisa, we're going to be very nice about your episode. We are. I enjoyed this episode a lot. <laughs> it is so interesting, too, that immediately after last week's, which, yeah, was, which was so a, shitty to women. It was a rough episode. Now we have this one that was written by a woman and is so much better for it. Not just because it's better to its female characters, although it is, but it's also just better to its characters in general. Yes. This is a writer that seems to in, to like the characters. <laughs> it believes that characters have motivations and emotions. 
a wild choice for a burnout episode. Wild, an absolutely wild choice. <laughs> um, let's absolutely talk about it in buck the wild choice. Oh no, no we I can't get to, to the weeds yet. Premise. Chris, you're oh. always trying to get into the weeds because too this is early. a dumb thing that we do. No, it's literally, not. It's what happens Tony. is that I say what happens in the episode and then I say it again. But one time I do it short, and one time I do it long. Yes, and you will do it until the day that you die, and or we finish this podcast. The premise of this episode, (laughs) according to IMDb, (laughs) is Michael and Jesse's plans to steal a safe deposit box are interrupted when Fee and a businessman's wife are kidnapped while Fee and Sam prepare to work security for a party. May I go Great. into the weeds now? <laughs> mother, mother, may I go into the weeds? Mommy, mommy, may I go into the weeds now? <laughs> yes, you've been a very good girl. Oh as a treat. God. You can have you can have a little weeds as a treat. Oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. All right, so we're in the weeds. So the episode starts with Michael and Jesse convincing a reluctant Madeline to help them steal the safety deposit box that is this week's item on the plot arc scavenger hunt, which I'm immediately excited about because... One of the things that we did like about last week, and one of the things that we always like always, is when Madeline is involved in schemes. Yep. And Madeline, again, is a little reluctant to be in this scheme, but they're like, no, we gotta do this. And so she's like, yeah, I'll do your scheme. All she has to do is smoke. And they assure her that she's just gonna smoke and everything will be fine. Yeah, well, the way that Michael presents it is like, mom, all you have to do is the one thing that I can never get you to stop doing. And then he like leans over the table and lights a match and lights her cigarette for her. It's very cute. Yeah, no, that it's very cute. It's really fun. It is really cute. So the way that this works is that Jesse poses as a delivery guy and brings some sandwiches to the, sec- the security office of this bank. Meanwhile, Madeline gets the safety deposit box. And then while she's in the vault... Um, she smokes and the smoking trips off the alarm and then Jesse watches the reaction that like the security people do because what they want to do is see well how does this bank react when the alarm goes off like what's going to happen because they need to know the best way to steal something from this vault right and so apparently it reacts with a bunch of guards going and it turns out if you're smoking in a vault you can get arrested Yep, and and like serve jail time. Like I think in the room with Jesse when he's standing there as like a pizza delivery guy or whatever, or like a sandwich yeah. delivery guy. One of them he's says, a "Like, oh no, guy. grandma's going to grandma's going to serve jail time." And Jesse's like, "Oh shit!" Which actually I didn't think as much about the first time that I was watching this, but this informs Jesse later because Jesse this week is all about, "Oh fuck, I fucked up." Mm-hmm. So he fucks up here and he fucks up again later, and this is like a decent ep- episode that's about Jesse fucking up. And so he's just a little bit reckless. And I think that that's consistent. That's the thing that we've gotten from him is that he like he's a good guy who's a little bit reckless. He's a little bit reckless. And every time that that's actually come up in an episode, we're like, good job, Bernettis. A character has had a trait for more than one episode. Right. This is this is another example of that. Yes. So anyway, Jesse and Michael get back in the car and freak the fuck out. And it's kind of adorable how much they freak out. It's so funny. Well, because, like, Jesse gets back in the car and is like, so <laughs> there's a problem. And basically has to, like, tell Michael how badly he's fucked up. And then they have this, like, very back and forth, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My mom's going to jail. We can't let her get arrested. They'll get her name. And then it'll be attached to us. And, oh, my God. we. <laughs> it's so bad. And then it turns out that Madeline is there. She was fine because she was just Madeline and she talked her way out of it. Yep. 
she pulled um, Madeline. Like, I think it was like they were talking. They were like, we have to do something to get her out right now. And then, like, the camera pans over to reveal Madeline just, like, sitting by their car watching them while smoking. And it's like, oh, you guys yeah. looking for me? <laughs> this is well directed. I like, this isn't a bad director. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, he went he, on to do this is the guy stuff. that does, like, Insecure and Dear White People, right? Both of those shows are fucking gorgeous. Oh, right. Does he? I think that's what he does now. I also, he did an episode of Succession. He's done, like, some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that's the cold open. So... At the loft, Michael and Jesse plan their next move, breaking into the bank from the law office on the floor above. And as they're making this plan, they make sure to make a lawyer joke. Of course. And also, this is a thing we've seen like three times before, like them using an above, like a a floor above place to break into a floor below place. And yeah, and like, it's a thing that we've seen. So they're like, we don't have to waste time. You know how this works. We don't have to do a lot to establish this. We, you know this. It's wild to me that you can break into a vault from above. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me that that's like not how vaults should work. No. To me, a vault is just a really big safe. Well, it's not even really a vault. It's like the back room of the bank. Because like it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's like just a safe deposit like a vault. room. Like they keep saying vault, but it doesn't feel like a vault. Yeah, no, it definitely does not have vault vibes. No. It is not like a vault. It's the safety deposit box room. I mean, safety deposit box rooms are in vaults. I don't know if they just could not get a vault. It was also weird, though, because, like, are there banks that have other businesses above them? I feel like banks tend to be their own building. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. There's a lot of banks, especially, like, specialty ones that aren't, like, like, it's not, like, a big, you know, public bank. If it's a, you know, high-level yeah, security, like weird, safety security, like, it's, Then maybe it's you know. that. But I was wondering if, like, they couldn't get an actual bank set and they were trying to make <laughs> something that was not a bank look like a bank. Who knows? Anyway, it works fine enough. It doesn't matter. We're not going to talk about this till the very end. So they're planning, they're making plans to do this thing. And then uh, Sam and Fee show up dressed to the nines because they're working security for a party and Fee specifically just needs her Walter, like her little tiny gun, because all of her guns are too big for her like little her clutch, basically. I like the implication of this that Fee and Sam sometimes just like take jobs on their own that Michael is not involved in. And like yeah. they're like a fully functioning like spy gang. And sometimes no, you know, Michael is involved and sometimes he's not. Right. I mean, specifically, they make a point of being like Michael is not involved. <laughs> I because I, I remember having that same feeling and then almost being a little bit disappointed that we were doing a fee is mad at Michael plot again. And I think this episode acquits itself well enough. Um, yeah, because it, it didn't make it about that. Like not every single scene was like, hey, remember how fee's mad at Michael? Fee's mad at Michael. Right. Yeah. Also, I love when fee and Sam are together. Like last episode, we only got a glimpse of it. But like they were bickering before interrogating the Russian guy. And then this whole episode, like the runner of them, their cover being that they're a married couple and both of them stick to it. And it's so fucking cute. And like yeah. they clearly have such re- like professional respect and like love for one another but they're still like such an old married couple at the same time it's really sweet i liked it a lot fee is pissed she like steps on his foot with like a a sharp high heel and what's wild is that fee is being really outwardly and conspicuously pissed at michael about a thing that she cannot talk about in front of jesse yeah like jesse's there too and and like when sam kind of like tries to ask about it michael's like no not right now Fee is pissed at Michael, but it's fine because she got a job. She and Sam are going to do a job. And I do love it when they do jobs. I kind of wish there was more of them acting married because that isn't really a thing that much in the episode. Mm -mm. But like, it is fun. Anyway, so Sam and Fee go to the house of this good old boy millionaire called Christian Akins. 
and his wife Sarah. Christian needs security because he's certain someone is trying to still steal Libby, which is a really good battery. Just real good at being a battery. Like a I guess he's a battery man. Battery or something. Yeah, so <laughs> he's a battery man battery. born and raised. Yeah. He worked in the battery mines and he is debuting this new battery. And he thinks that, the, that a thief is trying to steal the battery because the thieves broke into his car and stole a laptop. And he's certain that they are trying to get out of his battery. And I remember thinking, this battery is dumb. And he keeps calling the battery Libby and he keeps giving it like... She, her pronouns. She, her pronouns. And it's just like, it's this weird bit. And like, I remember thinking, wow, this whole episode's about a battery, huh? They never mentioned the battery again after this scene. <laughs> the battery well, does the not battery matter. Was, the battery was almost like, it was It was a red herring for, you think that he's talking about his wife, but it turns out he's talking about his battery, but it turns out but, like, his it's wife actually is about his wife. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of a weird choice. Also, I meant to mention earlier, Lisa Joy also uh, wrote some um, Pushing Daisies, and I'm re-watching Pushing Daisies <gasps> right now. So Where are you watching Pushing Daisies? CW Seed? CW Seed. <laughs> I hate CWC, but I might want to watch it again because I do love Pushing Daisies. It's one of my top 10 shows of all time. It's great. Yeah, and she wrote like three episodes, or at least it has a story credit on three. So they're thieves. The thieves are definitely going to come to this party. So they need to do security for this party. It is interesting. Again, the episode does a really convincing job of giving you this big plot red herring. Mm-hmm. It, like, lays out a lot of exposition about the party. And, like, it does so much exposition about the party and the battery. It's like, hey, here's what the episode is about. Before being like, nope, never mind. We're not doing any of that. I don't know how I feel about that, but I think it works. I think it works. I also don't remember it being so much. Like, I, you know, I was like, cool, battery happening. Ooh, not about the battery. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Mostly because it's like burn notice and like burn notice. And we just have an inherent distrust of burn notice. Yeah. And like generally this is the scene that we've seen so much in burn notice and it's always like, oh, this is the scene where I have to pay attention because this is everything that's everything about this episode I have to know because of this scene. This is going to set up everything. And then like it doesn't. But like in a way that feels it's definitely like a choice. So anyway, they're at this house. Sam and Fee split up to just check the security of the house. And Fee is doing this while she's hanging out with Sarah, the rich wife. And then a bunch of dudes with Uzi show up and they don't want the battery. They want Sarah. They're just good old fashioned kidnappers. And Fee decides that their best bet is if she can get kidnapped with Sarah. So she poses as another rich wife. And that is her plan. I am immediately so psyched because isn't there an episode like in season two or something where a kidnapping plot happens and we were both like, I feel like maybe if Fiona had Right, been yeah, there was. Kidnapped- oh, no, yes, I remember what it was now. It was the one where there there's somebody is being kidnapped, has been kidnapped, and so they set Fiona up as like a potential target, but they use Right, yeah, she has to be pretend ruse. to be like a rich lady. And yeah, then it doesn't come dog. to anything. No, well, because basically they use that to say like, Sam acts pretending to be her bodyguard is like so where are you going to store her because like i got to make sure she's taken care of yeah. so instead of them using that to get kid- fiona kidnapped so she can help this poor get- girl get-, get out of the situation that she's in they just use it as a ruse so that the two guys can go check out the place on their own and it's like that's the most boring possible choice so like i was so psyched when i realized this is what this episode was going to be about that's right i forgot about that episode but yeah like we wanted this episode and here we have it I know. And the, who brought it to us? The first solo female writer on a burn notice exactly. episode. Crazy how that happens. Wild. But yeah, so, and then Sam, this all goes down. Sam calls Michael, and he, Michael is pissed. Because, you know, 
he loves Fee and all that. This is a good episode if you ship Michael and Fee. It is. Oh, something else that I wanted to mention that we didn't talk about last week, because I guess it doesn't matter a ton, but there's a moment last week where Burt Reynolds says something to Michael to the effect of like, so what's your what's the deal with that that hot girl back there? Is that your fiance? And Michael goes, she's not a, my fiance. And Burt Reynolds goes, wow, you're really tightly wound. And then they kind of move on from it. But I, it does feel like this episode and this season is like demanding that we DTR finally, because yeah. they're together, they're not together. We haven't checked in in a while. And it feels like these two episodes were like, yeah, so we're going to check in because <laughs> yeah. you're right. We I don't know think, what's going on. I also thought that maybe part of the joke in the last episode that he misheard Fiona. Well, that's what Michael kind of says. Yeah, it's like that fiance Fiona. Anyway, doesn't matter. I'm done matter. talking about last week. <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> about this week. But yeah, I think I see what you're saying. I like don't disagree. Anyway, Michael is pissed. So Michael and Jesse show up at Christian's house just in time to get a video call from the kidnappers. So uh, Michael puts on his hostage negotiator voice, uh, although he's slightly more pissed because, you know, Fiona. Mm-hmm. The kidnappers want $20 million for both for the both of them. But the thing is that Fee and Sarah have seen their faces, so they are definitely planning on killing both of them. They are not going to give these women back. And yep. uh, they know this because Fee, like, blinks out this information to Michael in Morse code. She, like, yep. blinks Morse code at them, which is fun. I love that. I love when uh, Fiona gets to do spy stuff. Exactly. And it's not just like, I'm a hot girl distracting people spy stuff, but like, it's legit. Like, Fiona yeah. just knows fucking Morris code. Exactly. No, I'm full. I love that shit. And this episode's full of it. So I'm yeah. very Fee, much on Fee, board. This is Fee's bad breaks in some ways. Like, just having to in like. In some ways it is. Yeah. Fully improvise her own sort of like rescue. And I am for it. I am also for it. I love this episode. The kidnappers introduce themselves to Fee and Sarah. There's Jacob, the lying older brother, and Eddie, the hot-headed younger brother. We don't really see Eddie again till the very end, but you need to know that he's hot-headed. Yes. So Jacob is going to leave them with this other guard. They have another minion, who I think his name is Ronaldo, but he doesn't get a name because he's not a brother. <laughs> like, I think at once they say Ronaldo. No, because there's another one, too, because there's, like, four guys. But... The brothers are the only ones that matter, and like, well, they're in charge. It's like their gang. Yeah, it's their gang. It's they're gonna leave a minion to watch the Fee and Sarah, and then Fee is like, no, he's looking at us funny, and then Sarah doesn't get it. She's like, no, it's fine, and then so Fee has to be like, oh, so you want to sleep with him? What? And like, starts to like create this narrative that they're like catty housewives who don't who kind of don't like each other but like jacob's like okay i cannot leave this guy alone with them this will be a problem just you guys can stay here by yourself i will say jacob is so willing to let fee just be by yourself i know that happened at multiple that's the only thing in this episode that i'm like really you're just gonna let her get away with this she's so yeah, bald basically playing you dude yeah exactly so like he's like oh fine I'll just leave them alone in the basement, whatever. So he leaves them alone. But it's probably and, uh, a, like a good like case for, you know, men frequently underestimating women. I mean, yeah, I think that's the thing that it's kind of trying to be. They leave and then Fee breaks into a storage room and finds some gardening, gardening equipment and then she's going to escape with it. Meanwhile, at the loft, Michael, Sam, and Jesse explain to Christian why you can't go to the police. You should never, ever go to the police for anything ever, you imbecile, you fucking moron. <laughs> Sam and Michael, I've decided they're going to go get Fee. I think they're going to like trace the like call, the video call or whatever to get an idea of where Fee is. But Jesse needs to hang out and babysit Christian. 
And like nominally what he's supposed to be doing is helping Christian call all of the like guests from the party to cancel. It doesn't matter. It's like just babysitting. And Jesse's like, you you're making me babysit. And it's like, someone's gotta do it. And Michael but makes main- the case, like, listen, it's you know, it this is a really important thing. I need you to do this. We have to bring her home safe. Like, please, you're the only one I can trust with this. Yeah, the only which is one. setting up a thing that kind of comes out of nowhere, but we'll get to that. We'll get, yeah, we'll see. So they're about to leave, and then Madeline shows up. She's like, "Tell me about the bank heist. What happened? I like we were gonna have fun. Let's like chat. I think she brought like a cake or something. Well, oh, she said that you were gonna tell me about the bank heist over breakfast. Over breakfast, yeah. She's brought like breakfast, and like Michael's immediately like, "Well, no, fees been kidnapped. It's the whole thing." And so she's immediately business mode. She's like how can I help? He's like, you're good. And she's like, no, I go home and V goes home. So he's like, go be with Jesse and Christian and be in their plot. We need someone else to hold down that plot. Yeah, she's going to stay because it's Fee. Meanwhile, yeah. because it's Fee, uh, Fee is immediately making a bomb. <laughs> um, however, in order to finish making the bomb, she needs cleaning supplies, which means getting to a bathroom. Sarah, meanwhile, is like, I don't want to make trouble. Let's just wait. They'll like pay money. And he's like, no, we've seen their faces they will kill us if, like, they pay. And she's like, well, my husband will do something. And uh, V says, sometimes you have to be your own white knight. And Hell so yeah. she convinces Sarah to help her save themselves. And so she V gives herself a cut with, like, Sarah's wedding ring. And then the two of them stage a fight, pretending, to, again, to be catty housewives. Then Jacob comes down and breaks up the fight. In the chaos, V steals a cell phone. No one ever notices that she steals a cell phone. Yeah, no one is ever like, hey, where's my phone? Exactly. I don't know if it's... I'm pretty sure even in 2010, we were already attached to the hip to our phones. I mean, maybe it only comes into play when, like, the bad guys are separated and they've been in the house pretty much the whole time and there was no reason to call him. Yeah. But is no one, like... I mean, I guess it wasn't, like, an iPhone. That's true, because people don't have iPhones yet. Like, obviously... They, they do. They definitely do have people iPhones. People have but iPhones, not but, like, iPhone. no one in this episode has an iPhone. Because at one point, we see a phone later, and it is not an iPhone. It is not a smartphone at all. But, yeah. So, she swipes a phone, and then uh, Jacob sees that Fee is bleeding and has his minion take her to the bathroom. Because, like, Michael has said that if they are injured at all things they won't get money so he needs to get money so she can't be bleeding yeah, in the bathroom specifically uses the phrase damage we won't pay for damaged goods yeah in the bathroom which again she's left alone in the bathroom too she's not even like going to the bathroom mm-hmm. like they just let her alone in the bathroom um in the bathroom she immediately calls michael and explains what's going on uh while the call is happening fee hears the kidnappers say that christian has made a deal and sarah is being taken somewhere else and that means that they do not have a day anymore. They only have, like, an hour. And they need a move now. And they've also maintained that, like, once the money gets exchanged, everyone's going to get shot. Yep. A very pissed Michael calls Jesse, who has no idea what he's talking about, until he realizes that there was a moment where Christian stepped out for air. And at that moment, Christian called and made a deal. Jesse feels really bad about this because he fucked up. And maybe another reason, which we'll get to that. <laughs> and Michael does say something nice. He's like, you can beat yourself about it later. Ugh. Michael says, you can beat yourself up about it later. I'll help. But now, right now, we need to, like, handle this yeah. situation. Which I thought was a nice turn of phrase. I think that was the moment where I paused the episode. And I was like, okay, who's fucking writing this episode? This feels too competent for a burn notice episode mid-season. Right. Anyway, 
So Jacob talks to V again. V asks what happened to Sarah, and Jacob says that Sarah's husband paid. And like, V has been doing a really good job this whole time of like playing the part of this like upset wife. And like she is like playing him the whole time. And again, he's like really willing to just buy it. She's like all sad that her husband hasn't paid. And she asks if he can put on the air conditioning, and he does. And Fee calls Michael again and lets her know that she's almost done with her bomb, but also she's gonna send them a smoke signal using the air conditioner and burning a tire. Fiona basically like as soon as they get into the basement that she and the other lady are held in, Fiona like uses an earring to break into like a padlocked yeah uh workspace closet yeah yeah so she's had she has all sorts of fucking materials that she's been playing around with like she is really going to town on this like random garages worth of stuff and yeah smoke signals she's building a bomb she's like she's she's got her shit together like from moment one she does so much like little macgyver type shit it's great it's very fun i loved watching it outside michael and sam have a little moment where uh, Michael talks about why he and Fee are fighting, and it's about, like, this thing with Jesse. He also mentions that Fee thinks that he cares too much about the guy who, like, sent Simon after him. And I remember this moment being sort of weird, because, like, oh, right, Simon. Mm-hmm. I guess Simon's yeah, a person. Simon gets, yeah, he gets mentioned, like, one other time during this episode. Exactly, and I'm just like, I, why, I guess, I well, guess We know Simon, Simon comes back. They haven't... Like, I had, I remembered it vaguely, but I was like, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, it almost seemed weird to me that they were tying it back to Simon, because it was always just like, well, someone's starting wars, that's the bad thing. It doesn't have to matter why it's related to Simon, but we'll know why it's related to Simon later. Yeah. Um, well, also, did someone pay Simon to come after him? I thought that the conceit was that Simon was a, a related to a different part of this plot. Well, Simon, it seems like Simon was hired by the person who's starting wars. Got it. Yeah. I don't, was that, that was established idea. prior to this? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That plot is um, very hard to follow. Right, yeah. It's weird. And Michael says that Fee thinks that he cares about this too much, and he's like, she might be right. And then they have this little moment, and then they see the smoke signal, and they know that where there's smoke, there's Fee which is a decent line. <laughs> I like that line. There's a couple of like too. lines like that. Like it's good. And there's a lot of smoke in because she is burning tires in a basement. And so like the house is like full of smoke and so Jacob takes Fee to the kitchen uh when she once again acts her ass off pretending to be a disappointed wife and manipulates Jacob into giving her a bottle of vodka and some gum. And <laughs> then he while he like handcuffs her to a chair and then once again leaves her alone. Well, she's just so, a she's just a housewife. What could she possibly get up to? Exactly. So he leaves, and she immediately like like breaks the chair because like he doesn't even like he handcuffs her with like two handcuffs. He like he she's not handcuffed like her hands aren't handcuffed together. She has two handcuffs that are handcuffed to the chair, and so she breaks the chair like using the handcuffs. Also dislocates her shoulder and then puts it back, which is like doesn't ever end up being relevant but it's badass so she does it mm-hmm. um, yeah she breaks free of the chair and then she calls uh sam and michael who are outside and ready to break her out but she tells them that they need to hold off or jacob will call eddie the hothead brother and he will kill sarah and so if he says that she's gonna try and find out where the handoff is supposed to go down and 
Michael reluctantly decides to go after Sarah because they know the vague direction of where she's going, um, but leaves Sam outside to be Fee's backup. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jesse and Christian shout at each other some more. Jesse demands to know the location of the like handoff, but Christian will not give it up because this he thinks this is the only way to get his wife back is to pay the money and everything will be fine. This scene doesn't make sense to me. I think this is a really good episode. This scene doesn't make sense to me. Like it doesn't make sense why Christian is so determined to not listen. I to don't. Him. Is the implication that he doesn't care about his wife? No, the implication is that he's just panicking and making a bad decision. So something that I noticed is that at no point do they actually tell him, or at least as far as I saw, that the reason that they know that they're not going to give them up is because they've seen their faces, right? No, they do, though, because, like, he mentions the, like, he mentions that the blinking thing is dumb and he doesn't quite believe it. I just, I don't think that they have been, like... Listen, these are the things we know about kidnappings. Like, no one has really sat him down. Like, it's it's a you classic mean, burn notice. No, everyone has terrible bedside manner where, like, it, I mean, sure, he's acting erratic that. and he's panicking. But I also think that there is a level of it but where like, everyone's like, just yelling at like, this man. Jesse, here's the thing, is that, like, the guy cares about his wife. And so he wants his wife back. And so Jesse, in order to, like, get him to give up the location makes him, like, suggest that he doesn't care about his wife. It's like, no, you don't care about your wife. You just want to have, like, you want to look like you've done something so that when she is killed, it looks like you did something. That is the argument that he makes. He keeps saying things like this, and eventually Christian gives up the info. And, like... I think the implication is that, like, Christian thinks that he... The reason that he is right is because he cares about his wife and he's willing to trust the people who took her uh, because, like, they're the only ones that are saying things that make sense to him from, like, what he understands of the world. Like, hey, we took your wife, give us money and we'll give her back. And he's like, okay, that makes sense. And all these other guys are like, yeah, so Fee, Fee blinked and gave us a special signal. And, like, yeah. to him, the spy but stuff, I think, But that's not the argument that sense. Jesse makes. Well, but I think Jesse what Jesse's no point- doing is he's, he's pointing out, like... I, I think he's he's giving him a different angle where he's like, I know you think you love your wife, but actually it looks like you don't at all. And so he like basically accuses him of not loving his, loving no, his wife. No, that's what he does. And he rises like, to the like, I don't get why that works. Base. Because he does love his wife. No, he but that's, the thing is that to... like, he does love his wife. That's why he's doing this. Like at no point does Jesse make a Jesse's decent bi- Jesse's for basically the thing pointing that they're out, doing. Jesse's pointing out why it looks like he doesn't love his wife. And he's like, fine, I yeah, guess I but see like, it your way. But, like, the point is not that, like, at no point has Jesse done anything to convince Christian that Jesse's plan is the right plan. Like, you, oh, you're right. Oh, no, you're like, 100% he, right. Yeah, they, but like, again, terrible bedside manner. That's no, their but whole like, thing. They, the thing is that, like, they act like he did. Like, I don't, like, at no point... Like, the weird bit of him saying, maybe you don't love your wife, seems to come out of nowhere. And, like, obviously he loves his wife. Like, everything that he's done, he's done because he loves his wife. Like, so then for him to be like, maybe you don't love your wife. Like, that should just make him angrier. And, like, at no point does he, like, make an argument for, like, this is why that plan is bad. Like, no, this at no point does Jesse make an argument for this is why you should trust us. That, like, doesn't happen. And, like, that's the thing that he needs. 
I agreed. A hundred percent agreed. I kind of see what they're trying to do, but yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. This is the one scene. Again, I really like this episode. This is the one scene that does not make sense to me, like at all. Anyway, it happens, and they find out where the the handoff is going to take place, and then Jesse has a scene with like Madeline, where he says that he guilt tripped Christian, and Madeline's like, "I'm a mom. I know about guilt tripping. It's a whole thing." Meanwhile, with Fee, Fee. Is in the living room. Doesn't Madeline say something to Jesse in this scene? Is that the scene? No. Uh, not really. She says a thing later. Oh, it's not in the scene. Okay. No, it's a later scene. Meanwhile, Fee is in this room by herself. She is broken away from a chair and is filling a light bulb with vodka. And then she puts the light bulb back in this overhead like light and then turns the light on and waits for the vodka to heat up enough to like explode. She doesn't wait. She immediately calls him in. Like, she plugs it back well, yeah. in, and she's like, hey, come in here. I'm sad. Kill me. Exactly, yeah. She calls him, like, she calls him in, but then has to stall him. Because, like, she has no idea how long it's going to take for this light bulb to explode. So she has to call him in right away in case it happens right away. But then it doesn't happen right away, so she's like, fuck. And so, like, her plan is, like, she calls him in, and she's like, you know, I can't take it anymore. Just shoot me. It's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, well, not like that. Hold on. <laughs> and she has to like stall. Like, and not eventually, in the face. I, I deserve an open casket. And he's like, you do. He's like tearfully yeah, like, you do he deserve is an totally open like, He is like in love with Fee. Not enough to not kill her, but like he is infatuated with her. I mean, how could you not be? Right? At which point the light bulb finally does blow and she tackles him. And then Sam shows up and like attacks the other goon that doesn't get a name. Mm-hmm. And he and he does so by saying, "Honey, I'm home." Yeah, it's a fun little bit. He, he, he also, also made a couple jokes from maybe earlier, saying something to the effect of like, "I'm too young to be a widower." Yeah, <laughs> and things there's like a little that. bit of that. There, there's a lot of just like little jokes about the fact that they're married and like everyone's just like having a good time with it, and I love that for them. Yeah, I think it's sweet. He also like throws a guy into a wall and like makes a hole in the wall. I remember like watching the scene and be like, "Holy shit, that's a hole." Yeah. Well, this is this is his best friend, kind of. He loves her. A little bit, yeah. Well, no. Anyway. Sam's actual best friend is Madeline, followed by Michael. Obviously. And then Fee is, like, his secret best friend. He'll exactly. never admit it, but... Meanwhile, Michael does another car commercial. Like... Oh, my... This one I noticed. This one I was like... This okay, one was, guys. like... I mean, like, last, last time it was pretty bad, but this time it's, like... Jesus. Yeah, no. And I kept it all... We'll talk about it when we talk about spy tips. Because I left it in there. Um, but it is just a car commercial. Yeah, it's it's a bald-faced car commercial. It is a bald-faced car commercial. Pretending like it's an episode of Burton and this, but it is a car commercial. Um, but he arrives at the drop point to meet Eddie and Sarah. Uh, Eddie is confused as to why Michael is there. And so Michael shows him a picture of Jacob duct taped to a bomb. <laughs> and then Eddie calls Jacob's phone to confirm this and we and then Fee picks up and Eddie's like, God damn, I'm so hot headed. <laughs> also, so, during the scene, like, cause they, they show him a picture of his brother taped up, and they show him the same picture like three times, each time with a new reveal, like, look at the picture again. Do you see this thing? And then a third yeah. time, look at the picture again. Did you see this thing? <laughs> It's, just, it's very yeah. funny how, like, they just have to keep showing him the same picture because the, the clues will be revealed. Exactly. And what's extra funny about it that was not funny at the time, and maybe a little funny at the time, 
But it's so funny now because it's such a small phone. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, it is not a phone that is meant for showing other people pictures. <laughs> and like, and like the picture is so tiny on the phone and like the camera has to like shoot the phone. And like, so the picture is so small and it's just like, nowadays we just would have held up a phone and like, it would have been fine. But like, it's so funny to look at on this phone that that weird moment in between like brick phones and smartphones where phones were kind of like semi-smart that was a weird time it was a weird time so eddie gives up sarah and gives up the guns and michael tells him that yeah he does the thing again like no there's more it's not just there's a bomb but there's a bomb with a timer on it and it's because yeah, there's go like a watch t- there's a watch taped they have to duct taped a watch fire hydrant to, like, or whatever yeah because it's just a fire hydrant that like yeah, they have duct taped a watch to it and said there's a timer on it, but he's so hot-headed. Wait, are you going to mention the fact that we get the return of our favorite running gag? Oh, fuck! I almost... Hold on, wait. Did I... You, did, I, I oh, yeah. I think you were skipping over that part, so I just wanted to make sure that Oh, my we God, you're right. Oh. Um, <laughs> I am watching your notes for this. But also in this scene, we get the most important thing. Another instance of Michael Weston not being able to speak Spanish. Because, again, these are, like, Mexican kidnappers, and so everyone's speaking Spanish. And, like, he just does not know Spanish. And, like, he messes up one time where he tries to say anything in Spanish and he can't. And there's a bit later where he's like, how do you say this in Spanish? Like, because he doesn't know Spanish. (laughs) And he's, like, stubbornly refusing to learn. He's like, guys, I know so many languages. Give me a fucking break. And it's so well. Here's the thing about this guy. It's kind of funny. It's not that funny. It feels like... We manifested it. I know. That's my favorite part about it is that we had a whole bit about it and then it turned out it was canon. Like, yeah, like that was like our weird joke. One episode, he didn't speak Spanish when he should have. And like, it it made so much sense that just they were doing that for the audience. It made so much sense that that was what it was. And so, and we joked that, no, it's funnier if Michael Weston doesn't speak Spanish. And then the show was like, yeah, I agree. Like, God, I wish we thing. could manifest other stuff into this show. Right. I wish you could manifest a better show. <laughs> the only thing that I can think of is that someone watched the episode that we watched and made the same connection. Someone had to have asked the same question. Like, why? <laughs> like, why is Michael not speaking Spanish right now? They're like, well, Michael doesn't know Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that makes sense. Like, it has to be a weird in-joke or something. I wonder... I don't know what the Burn Notice fan community was like. I wonder if this was a thing. Like, were people talking about this on, like, Twitter? I mean, I bet. Was it, like, is this a weird not? I don't know. But it's brilliant. Anyone who is, like, a fan of Burn Notice in the day that, like, may know about this, if you know anything, let us know. But, like, it feels like we manifested it. <laughs> yeah, Does do, did we create a second timeline? Does anyone actually remember the Michael Weston can't speak Spanish bit? From actual 2010? I don't think so. Michael says that, like, this bomb is going to blow up in, like, 15 minutes. And the only way that, like, you're going to save your brother's life is if you call the cops right now and they shoot out their tires. So it's like, no, you cannot get back there in time. You have to call the cops. And he's like, but we'll go to jail. And it's like, yeah, but you won't be dead. Like, you, you'll still have a brother in jail. And it's like, oh, I guess that's fine. And so he agrees to do that. Uh, meanwhile, this is when uh, Fee and Sam joke about the giant hole that sam made in the wall and like 
have a moment of like, yeah, well, you're my friend. And it's cute. It's cute as hell. It's a very sweet Sam and Fee episode. It is. I mean, it, it's also it, actually like, a pretty, it's pretty sweet uh, Fee and Michael episode, even though for the most of the episode, they're like apart. I agree. There's some su- sweet Fee and Sam stuff. There's not that much. I do there's think little, there's little jokes. It. And when like she can, like, when they can bits, overhear each other like, on the phone. And like, especially considering so much of this episode is about people being upset about Fee, like Sam actually spends the least amount of time being upset about Fee. They have decided that it's very important to the plot that other characters be upset about Fee. Anyway, so later, Jesse and Michael are drinking in the loft. Uh, Michael thanks Jesse for his help, and Jesse tells him that he's been listening to the police scanner and that the kidnappers have been caught. And then he, we get this great joke where he says, where Jesse says, it just goes to show that payback is a, and that's when Fee walks in. And like the camera like pushes in. Like, it full-on, like, because Michael It's a catchphrase at this rate. Yeah, it's like a full-on catchphrase. And, like, and Michael, like, says, like, Fiona, so it really is, like, payback is a Fiona. And it's, like, she, like, walks in, and, like, she has this amazing hero shot where, like, Michael and Jesse are on either sides of the screen, and, like, the camera pushes past them to push in on her. And she's still wearing her, like, gown that's all torn yeah. up, and she's, like, holding her shoes. It's great. It's really good. It's a great fucking entrance. It's, like, really good. And then Michael and Fee make out super hard, and mm-hmm. Jesse awkwardly, like, walks out because two people are waking up or making out super hard. I will say, when I was watching this scene, Kobe Bell was doing some acting, <laughs> and I was like, Kobe Bell's doing acting here. He's almost playing it like that he has a thing for Fee. That's weird. But no, I think it's just because, like, it's awkward because two people are making out and that's always awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, and then we get this, and then we get another scene with Madeline. Mm-hmm. So where Jesse is prepping for the bank heist. Remember the bank heist? That was from this episode. <laughs> and Jesse's talking to Madeline and it's, Madeline is pretty sure that Jesse has the hots for Fee. Which, like, that's reasonable. Uh, Jesse denies this badly. I don't remember this being a thing. I don't, I hope it's not a huge thing, because love triangles are boring. I will say, Kobe Bell and Gabrielle Anwar have really good chemistry. They do. So, like, I get that. I do get, like, I do enjoy seeing them together, but it is like, oh, we don't need this. And it did, that did come kind of out of nowhere. I mean, again, they have good chemistry, but like, you know. It did, yeah, it it fully felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, I clocked it earlier in the episode and was like, are we really doing this, guys? And at the end, we're doing it. And I'm like, oh, God, we're really doing this. Yeah, because Jesse was really upset about, like, Fee being kidnapped. But the thing is that, like, I think I played just as well. And, like, it didn't occur to me until, like, the makeout scene that that's what it was. And I lit- legitimately just thought it was Jesse's upset because he's been fucking up. And he, yeah, it no. really sucks when you fuck I, up and there's consequences. I, I definitely clocked, like, a hmm earlier in the episode. But, yeah, I, I'm not thrilled with this because, no, as I'm not either. say, love, triangle, like, love triangles are boring. And, like, yeah. finally fucking Fee and Michael... <laughs> might finally yeah. DTR because they like they're honestly you know like Kobe Bell and Gabrielle Anwar have chemistry together but like Michael Weston and Fiona are fucking hot together like they're both so tall and like 
they they have the same kind of like intensity and a little bit of chaos. Like she adds a little bit of chaos to him and he has a little calm to her. I don't know. There's like there's something about them that rewatching this show has reminded me like this is a good fucking couple casting. This works for me. And like that makeout scene, like you describe it as they make out hard, but it's not like a sloppy teenage makeout where they're like all oh, over no, each it's other. Not. It's like, like he, old Hollywood. It's so good. He Michael just stands there and like takes her in his arms and they just passionately kiss, but they don't move a lot. Like they're just that he's no, there they, and he's steady and she's there and she's being held. They embrace. It is. It's fucking hot. Oh my god! You know what's hot? My room. Let's let's. <laughs> well, luckily, we're almost let's done with this finish episode. recording this podcast because it is so. This hot is the shortest right recording now. session we've had in a while, and I can't tell if it's because I'm hurrying you along or because we just didn't have that much to say. I think it's the latter. Fair enough. Anyway, let's talk about some spy tips. Oh no, no, because we have there's one more scene. Fuck. Let's not talk about spy tips. Um, <laughs> it did because it did feel like the episode was going to end on them embracing, and that was not what it I was. know. Yeah, that would have been a nice ending exactly although it would have been weird for the last seat to be jesse just being like we'll see you guys later (laughs) i know but like that works uh but yeah so jesse and michael break into the vault and they steal the contents of the safety deposit box uh in the car afterwards they look at what they've stolen and it's a bible and it's got certain bits blacked out which means that it's almost certainly like a cipher but then on the front of the bible like in the inside cover there is a note and the note is signed that it's from Simon. Remember Simon? Simon Escher. Exactly. Garrett Dillahunt. <laughs> Remember how we mentioned him randomly earlier in the episode? Um, but yeah, Jesse asks Michael if he knows who Simon is. And Michael's like, nope. Simoff? What? Suman? Slowman. I don't... You're just talking gibberish to me, man. And that's how the episode ends. With Michael lying to Jesse some more. That's the first time that he's like, other than the fact that he <laughs> burned him, that's the first time that Michael is like withheld information from Jesse. Yeah. Feeded last week, but now he must. Anyway, now let's talk about spy tips. Spy tips. I left a lot. I think most of them are actually really good. I think this is a really good spy tip episode. Well, because it's one of the ones where like, they have to, anytime they have to MacGyver stuff for most of the episode, it's going to be a good Spy Tips episode. Exactly. Because it's all very practical um, and hands-on. Exactly. This first one isn't, but I liked the joke in it. <laughs> so I kept this one. In banks and other secure facilities, the biggest threats are the ones you invite in. Getting a job dropping off sandwiches requires fewer background checks than getting a job guarding millions of dollars, but it gives you the same access. Plus a tip. I mostly really liked joke. the scene. Because, yeah. like, Jesse's excited to get the tip a little bit. He's like, oh, hey. Because it's nice. <laughs> if you're in a job where you don't normally get tips, but sometimes you do get tips, it's always nice when you get a tip. Mm-hmm. I miss so getting like, tips. Oh, hey. Yeah. No, tips are great. Also, but this brings up an important question. Did Jesse get a job? That's the implication, that he got hired as a sandwich guy at their exact favorite sandwich place so that he could be the one delivering the sandwiches. That's wild. I mean, there is like, an indiscriminate number of days and we and or weeks between episodes. We don't know how long it's been. Yeah. But it also seems like you could probably just pay a guy. Probably. Like you just need to find like a, a delivery I mean, guy and lean on it. Realistically, him. that's probably what happened, but in uh, allegedly, according to the spy tip, 
It sounds exactly. like he this got a real job. Suggests the thing that is way less likely. I mean, maybe it's they fine. had to I mean, do it where like he has gotten back there more than once, so that like they kind of have a rapport with Jesse and they trust him enough to leave him alone in the security maybe. room. I mean, this doesn't because like if the if the first day that a new sandwich delivery guy shows up, there is also like a problem in the vault. Maybe that's suspicious. I don't know. I'm could, I'm giving yeah, them no, a lot of credit right now. I mean, it's fine. Seeing the scenes where Jesse gets a job and then goes to the place multiple times would have been about as boring as like seeing them try to get luggage last week. But like, it doesn't matter. But it did suggest a thing. Is that a tip? I mean, is that a is that a spy tip? It has a tip in it. I mean, I feel there's a lot like of good ones this. here, so we can be a little discerning. Yeah, like I, I feel like we've had this tip before. I think we have to. Most commercials facilities link smoke and security systems. Trigger one alarm, you trigger them all. Smoke alarms work by detecting irregularly disp- dispersed light. Setting one off with a cigarette requires a little time and a lot of lung capacity. This seemed useful. Yeah, yeah, I think that's useful. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm into it. All right. When you're working a protection detail, it's all about observation. You're looking for broken lot, locks, blocked motion sensors, the subtle signs that someone's trying to breach security. Of course, some security breaches are a lot more subtle than others. And like, there's some details there, like looking for blocked motion sensors. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. Like, you know, I thought that was good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Creating an explosive device in the field requires strong knowledge of chemistry and the ability to improvise with whatever equipment happens to be lying around. An old fire extinguisher makes an ideal compression chamber. Add some metal shavings and the right cleaning supplies, and you can serve up a bomb that will blast right through a cinder brick wall. A uh, cinder block wall? What did I say? Brick. You said a cinder brick wall. A cinder brick wall. A cinder block wall. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's a shopping list tip. I love a good shopping list tip. Um, and I love the one where they're they're like, so you make a bomb by using this, this, and this. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, right bo- cleaning with the bomb, supplies. You could find this, this, and some stuff. <laughs> a good smoke signal requires dense, visible clouds of smoke or vapor. You you can't just light whatever's handy on fire and hope for the best. Rubber burns a thick black smoke that's perfect. Put a burning pile of it in an air conditioning duct. And the house's ventilation system will carry it out to where it can be seen from a distance. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I remember listening to this tip and being like, that's going to make a good spy tip. That's a good spy tip. Handcuffs can be a hostage's best friend. The same steel that locks you up can set you free. Use the cuffs for leverage and apply enough pressure, and you can break the weakest piece of whatever you're chained to. But it might not be the only thing you break. Yeah, I thought using the cuffs for leverage was useful. Like, because you yeah. can see kind of how she did that. Um, and I th- right. that could potentially be very useful. Cool. We'll keep it. Now, here's the bulb tip. Uh, only 10% of a 60-watt bulb's energy is dispersed as light. The rest is heat. F- fill one with a fam- flammable liquid, like perhaps alcohol. <laughs> and it only takes a couple of minutes for the bulb's warm glow to turn into burning shrapnel. Yeah, I you mean, like that? That, okay. yeah, it was a Thank good you. tip. It was good All watching right. her. This next tip is not a good tip. Maybe it is. Who knows? It is an effective <laughs> car commercial. <laughs> this is the text of the car commercial. Horsepower and torque are the measures of are, horsepower and torque are the measure of any sports car. But on winding roads, the key to fast driving is fast braking. Four-piston disc brakes will kill speed quickly and smoothly, allowing you to keep your foot on the gas longer. Hyundai. 
Yeah, this one had a lot more gratuitous, like, shots of the car itself. And, like, it was yeah, shot it was like, like a shot car commercial. like a car commercial. <laughs> it's exactly shot like a car commercial, like, with those fucking... I mean, I think the last one was, too. But this is, like, even more blatant. I didn't think that... I, that I did not even clock the other one. This one, though, was fucking very obvious. Like, maybe the ad people came back to them when they were like... So we liked the first one, but um, could it... Could it be more overt that this is a commercial for the car? Yeah. And they were like, I guess. <laughs> but it's Make sure that you mention that... the torque, please. Yeah. And the four-piston disc brakes, that's really important. We we have a director that directs these things. Can we come and do this like as, as a second unit? <laughs> I, I don't think this is a good tip. No, it's not a good tip. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about how it was a car commercial. Finally, the security of a safety deposit box is less about the box than what's guarding it. Banks spend all their resources keeping thieves out of the vault. Do they? <laughs> Once you get in, every last dime could be had for the price of a roto-tip drill bit. Once you get what you came for, the trick is getting out before security shows up. So I think what's useful about this is the roto-tip drill bit, because I've never that heard of that. And edge. that seemed like a very specific tool that you could use for this. Because, yeah, yeah, I agree with you that, like, it does seem kind of wild that a high-security vault is weak because of the people above them. Yeah. Like, that does seem far-fetched. And we've seen, like, how to break into a building from the thing above it before. But, yeah, I think the, yeah. the roto-tip drill bit, I'll give it to him. Yeah. Well, that's seven. That's seven spy tips. So that means um, that there are at least five, and therefore it gets a point. Oh, there's at least five and seven? Yep, there are. Wow. I'm learning a lot about math today. Meanwhile, uh, spycraft over violence? Definitely. Definitely. Because it was not a very violent episode. No, it wasn't. It For was being a, a hostage of- situation episode, yeah, it was a lot of spycraft. A lot of spycraft. At what point, Fee simulates violence, but it's not actual violence. <laughs> that's true. Like she yeah, spy no, crafts like, the violence. She does. She spy crafts the violence. Very unfee of her, frankly. Is there uh, any alias in this episode? No, there isn't. Mm, well, I mean, Fee does an alias as a Fee real does housewife. do an alias. That's true. I mean, she doesn't get a point for that, but like Fee does no, kind of do she an does. alias. Yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte Finley. I love the idea that like she's Charlotte Finley. Like, He's Charles Finley and she's Charlotte Finley. <laughs> Chuck and Char Finley. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it's a lot. Did this episode use Fee and Samwell? Uh, hell yeah, it does. It really does. And, like, it uses Sam fine. Sam gets some good moments. But, like, this is a really great Fee episode. Mm-hmm. This is, like, the best Fee episode we've had so far. Uh, not the best, but, like, what's, one of the best. What's the best? Because didn't you think that that one episode where she's low-key, the protagonist, was better? Well, no, I think then... No, I think this episode is probably a little more well-constructed than that episode. Oh, this definitely is. This is the best written Fiona episode we've had before. Yeah. I feel like we've had some good Fiona episodes before, though. Like a handful. What, that have been good? or like I'm saying that this is better than the ones we've had so far. Better written, yeah. You know what? No, you're right. This is the best V episode that we've had so far. Yeah, because she actually. I don't know why you're arguing with it. I don't either. I was maybe I was thinking of something else. I don't. I I feel like I remember there being a really good V episode before. Not the one. There have been other really good V episodes. But this, but I think you're right that this is the best one. I think this is the best one we've had so far. I mean, it's certainly the best episode. Like 
not even the best fee episode necessarily, but like one of the better episodes of this show because it's just constructed well. Yeah. And also Fiona got herself kidnapped and then we got to see her get herself unkidnapped and it was great. Right. They get that point. They have enough points to be a great episode of Burnham's, but we have to ask, is Jesse interesting enough to be a main character? Certainly more so than last week because, like, his actual personality is a part of the plot and affects things. Like, yeah, he gets some stuff to do. And I I mean, I don't like this thing that they're doing. Yeah, no, I don't love the the love triangle either, but, like, it does make him a compelling additional cast member because, like, it kind of had to come up at some point. Like, it's one of those things where in in an aggressively heterosexual show like Burn Notice, you have to make reference of, like, any sexually available man and woman like why are they not together and like for sam it's fee finds him disgusting and he's a little too old for her but jesse there's no compelling reason why they shouldn't be together other than the fact that she's already with somebody else so we have to reference it at least once it has to be a thing yeah jesse has to develop feelings for her it's not possible that they just wouldn't just be they're hot and young of course they would want to fuck each other exactly that is the premise that they're stating i think he is yeah i think jesse's interesting yeah, and so you know and like we we, we get movement from his old plot and we watch michael lie to his face about who simon yeah, is. yeah no there's good stuff in it so yeah, so this, yeah is, this is a great episode of burn notice it absolutely is now would you say that this is a great episode of television i think if i'm gonna say it about any episode of burn notice then yeah i think so too I think it was a well-constructed episode. There were a handful of places where we're like, really? That? But like, but like Fiona gets kidnapped and has to get herself unkidnapped. She, she does such a good job. And like the cold open no, was yeah, funny with fucking Jesse and Michael like freaking out about Madeline getting arrested. And then Madeline just being like, I'm fine, guys. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like yeah. it. No, I like it too. That's the fourth great episode of Burn Notice we've had this season and the third great episode of television. The most great episode of televisions we've ever had in a season is four. So we've already got three in the first uh, eight episodes. Wow. And we have how many more episodes left? We've got nine episodes left to go. Nine or ten. Oh my goodness. So. This might be the best season of Burn Notice so far. Wild. That's, That's wild. Anyway, that's something I'm going to spend some time thinking about. <laughs> uh, while I do that, there's nothing left but to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vincent, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. And otherwise, bye. I really hope that Donald Trump is no longer the president. Oh, me too. Me too.